0: Episode 30 my name is Dan Frost and as always supported by the best panel in the business we've got Tasha we've got Alicia and tonight the question I've got for you straight off the top is thinking about our coaches but a particular group that gets a little bit forgotten about and that's the assistant coaches and we're starting to see a few of these guys getting promoted into head time and into those head coaching positions Uh, Tasha I'm going to throw it to you who's uh, who's the best assistant coach in the game right now?
1: Well, it's a bit hard to call him the best, but I'm going to call him the best. Um, he hasn't even started yet. It's Brett Morris. Um, he's assistant coaching uh, next season with the Roosters. I just think it's so good that we're not losing him. The game is losing him. Um, he'll be a great uh, mentor, you know, just coming off being a player. He understands all the players. Um, and it, he'll just bring a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I think the respect that he's got, from that
0: squad are amazing and i I guess there's a little bit of a, a fallacy out there that you know star players don't make good coaches so it'll be really interesting to see how brett can connect with you know some of the you know somewhat less talented players that are in a squad and how we can kind of um you know i guess explain things when you know for a player as talented as brett it was just go out there and perform but uh you know obviously there's a little bit more to him and yeah, really excited. You know, listening to some interviews recently, he's very excited about that move, and yeah, has a a wealth of knowledge. So, no good pickup. Look for me, it's uh, Jimmy Dimmick. Um, You know, Jim's been around in and around the game for a long period of time, and he's had an impact um, in, across a few different teams. But look for me, I, I just think that um, you know he's. His defense and, and his systems are starting to, to sort of flow through and they're very evident and, uh, yeah, really excited about the things that he's doing up there at the Gold Coast. So Jimmy Dimmick for me. Uh, Alicia, what about yourself?
2: Um, I've gone with Cameron Serraldo. It's pretty hard to go past, um, you know, a guy that has basically got Penrith's defense, you know, on song the last couple of years and, Um, We're talking about sort of who's going to step into a head coaching job soon um, or who's the next cab off the rank, so to speak. We've just seen Craig Fitzgibbon make the step up, and I think Cameron Sorolto, he's already been courted by a few clubs um, to come on board, and I think he's the next man up. So, yeah, for me, Cameron Sorolto.
0: All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets
2: out there. That
0: is what a real champion is made of.
2: We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in seven of these players' football
0: lives.
1: Champion players, champion club.
0: I want to be king in your story. I want to know. Let's get a little bit sentimental, and uh, let's take it all the way back when it comes to the Gold Coast Titans, because obviously we remember when they joined the competition and. They they hit the ground running, you know. You think about some of their uh, their inaugural players, you know, your Scott Princes, your Preston Campbells. Uh, you know, it was an amazing period for the club, and you know, obviously they've gone through uh, you know a difficult period, and, and hopefully coming out of the uh, coming out of that. But yeah, talk us through your, your initial thoughts on the Gold Coast Titans all those years ago, and it has been uh, has been a difficult period for them though um, over the past decade.
2: Yeah, I was actually looking at this the other day because I was doing some research around, you know, obviously with the Dolphins coming in and, and what sort of players the Titans recruited back then. And a lot of it was like players from from top clubs, you know, your Melbournes, a lot of players moved from Melbourne to the Gold Coast in 2007 and um, a lot of other sort of guys that had played finals footy previously. So I thought that was pretty cool. And to also see um, on the back of that Felice Kafusi signing by the Dolphins, like, who they do target, you know, moving into the future. But, yeah, I mean, the Titans, um, it was the perfect, you know, perfect time to have another Queensland club. It's also almost hard to believe that, you know, there was only a couple before they came on board and now we're going to have four. So, um, yeah, look, I feel like there's just so much potential with the Titans. Um, We haven't seen much of it at all, unfortunately. They obviously came into the competition in in 07 and they've only played, you know, I think three or four final series and um, they got to the prelim, I think it was 2010 from memory. And, um, you know, in that in itself, I remember just how much the, the whole place was buzzing. So they really want to get back to that. You know, it's been a long while. It's been a drought. It's been over 10 years since they've had any real great success. And I think, um, you know, they're slowly building a squad that they can get there, and I think under Justin Holbrook they can get there, but um, I also feel like there's a, a fair bit of work to do between now and then, too.
1: Yeah, Leish, like you talked about the potential, um, and I, I think they are getting there. I I see better things coming for the Titans, like they, they scraped into eighth place, and they really could have been even higher up. Like, there were five games that they lost. Uh, by you know ten points or less. So if they can work out how to finish those games, they'll they'll finish higher up. They've developed a really strong forward pack, which we'll probably talk about later. But I think Justin Holbrook's, you know, there's a few concerns around the spine, which we'll probably talk about. But I think he's um he's he's getting them together really well, and I think their premiership window is opening.
0: Yeah, he was uh, he was their most important signing, uh, I, I think, since those inaugural signings many many years ago because they were unwatchable, you know, like we love our rugby league. We love watching all games, but there was a few years there where the Gold Coast Titans were on there. Their fans were dwindling away. Stadium attendance was dropping away. And I, I feel like, you know, Justin's been able to come in and slowly change things. But yeah, there was, there were some dark periods there for the Gold Coast. And I guess questions as to, you know, whether they'd be able to hang in there as, as a franchise.
2: Well, the year that they lost, uh, sorry, the Warden Spooners 2019 Justin's come in the following year basically from rock bottom and brought the club back into being a finals team. They're obviously nowhere near competitive in a final series, but um, just to be back in that frame again and making them competitive is going to go a long, long way to, to I guess, that the future success that they do have. Um, you know, just on Holbrook, I think his biggest strength and in the last two years has been that he, he's still inherited this side. Like, he, he's obviously got his fingerprints on some of it, but, We've noticed a lot of players that have left um, at the end of this year, just gone, um, are players that he didn't necessarily bring to the club. So he's still doing that that changeover period of recruiting and getting rid of players that we see, like Michael Maguire's doing the same thing at the West Tigers. Um, but the difference between the Tigers and the Titans is that Titans are still performing on the paddock, whereas the Tigers are obviously suffering with all that change. So, um, yeah, it's pretty in- intriguing how clubs are so similar but they're also so different in how they sort of react to it all
1: yeah they should go easy on the tigers but um it's true whenever you bring in a new coach they inherit what some other coach had in their head and um so it does take a little bit of a little bit of time and you know we talk about the amount of um money that you know tino and david Fafita signed on for but in my book yeah they might not have been there for every game for for injury reasons or whatever but They were well worth, well worth the signing and the money.
0: Yeah, and I think another big part of the Gold Coast Titans rebuild was the signing of Mal Meninga. I I think he was... He was huge for their culture there because one of the things he stopped, he stopped the bleeding when it comes to losing all of their juniors. One of the one of the misconceptions with the Gold Coast is that they're going to struggle as a franchise, um, you know, but, but what people don't understand is it's an absolute nursery when it comes to rugby league juniors. The fact is the Titans just couldn't keep them. So um, I, I think they've been able to finally um, start to, uh, I guess, retain some of their junior talent coming through. And then, as you mentioned, Tasha, to, uh, top it up with a few star players and actually return some players who are from that, that area so I think Mel Meninga coming in there as well as Justin Holbrook they've been able to stabilize the club
2: just a quick one too on Steve Mitchell I think he's since he's come in he's been awesome CEO for the Titans Um, got a massive background in touch footy um, at touch football Australia but that has easily transitioned quite well into into your CEO role
0: yeah and now let's take it to the football field and and some of the things that we are seeing I guess when you talk about the Gold Coast Titans, you you can't go past young Jaden Campbell. You know, sometimes, Alicia, sometimes there's just players that just come along and, you know, regardless of whether you follow the team or not, there's just this excitement about them. Jaden's a little bit of a throwback in terms of player. Obviously, we know, we understand his lineage, but, uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about Jaden because, you know, there's definitely a buzz around him and, and, and around the club.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in that top 30 uh, to start this year. He's obviously been on that development contract and then through that injury to AJ Brimson with his jaw, he's been able to, I guess, take his opportunity in the few games that we saw him. And, uh, you know, we know he doesn't have a lot of size to him. Um, he's a very fast guy, got a lot of traits like his old man. But, um, you know, with another offseason under his belt, um, he, he comes across as a player that you know, teams won't be able to work out so quickly. Like we've seen, we spoke about Reese Walsh previously and now he'll have to sort of go to another level. I feel like with Jaden, we might get a little bit more unpredictability uh, to come before then um, teams start to sort of work him out. But, yeah, he's a massive talent and, um, you know, it throws a lot of spinners into the works now for the Titans and how Justin Holbrook sort of plays him and AJ Brimson because for a while we've always thought Brimson was the fullback, you know, an automatic lock or, We'd actually ask why hasn't he been playing more fullback? Um, but, yeah, judging by all the halves that they've let go this year and creative players, um, you'd assume that AJ would go into the halves and then let Jaden start at, start the season at fullback, which is um, pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, Leish, I agree. I think he he's earned his position there. Um, AJ Brimson, yeah, great fullback, but um, Jaden Campbell really played really really well in that number one and. You know, I'm not the coach, but I, I agree with you. I'd be putting, you know, AJ at six, and then you've got um, Toby Sexton um, at your seven, um, and Aaron Clark uh, rounds out your spine in, in the number nine. But um, that's that's my concern. Is yep, I'm pretty confident with their forward pack. Is their spine too young and inexperienced, or? Yeah, they haven't worked together a lot. So that's my concern for the Titans going into 2022.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be particularly interesting. I think, you know, Jaden's going to have to win that number one jersey throughout the preseason. He's got to get bigger and just not for cosmetic reasons. You know, we all want our athletes to be bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but for Jaden, it, it's more, you know, his ability to stay on the field and get through an entire NRL season with that contact. So I think that's going to be really, really important. The other interesting one is, you know, transitioning AJ into the halves. You know, we've just we've seen in recent times a few players struggle with that transition. You know, a lot of the times, fullback five eight. You know, uh, Kalen Ponga it comes to mind in terms of you know a few few players who have tried and tested and and sort of struggled there. And the thing with AJ is. You know, health has been a big big issue for, for AJ Brimson in the past, and obviously moving into 5'8", he's going to have to do a lot more tackling. So um, he, him and himself, if he's going to have to make that move, I think Justin's going to have to make that call early uh, in camp, and he's going to have to put on uh, a fair bit of uh, size himself, do a little bit of conditioning, because um, yeah, I think the key, Tasha, to your point, um, you know, there's a lot of talent with Jaden, there's a lot of talent with AJ, but they've just got to get through the whole season uh, without, without an injury. Uh, Alicia, let's move over to the halfback, as Tasha sort of spoke about, Toby Sexton. I, I mean, this must be some talent, because you've let go Ash Taylor, and, and say what you want about Ash, he's had his ups and downs, and the salary and all those different things, but you know, um, on his day, was certainly a good player. Tyrone Peachy um, was was there, Jamal Fogarty, the captain's been let go. Um, yeah, talk to us a little about Toby, because a fair bit of pressure on this young kid.
2: I actually spoke to him a few weeks ago um, exactly about that. Um, it's sort of opened up for him. We see players' pathways, young rookies come through and, and be blocked by who's ahead of them. But the Fogarty uh, departure to Canberra even left him a bit shocked. He, he read it on WhatsApp and just thought, wow, and, and – um not the way that he probably wanted to earn his spot but he he's almost a lock for that that halfback role now just purely because they don't have a lot of depth in that position um he did get a few games under his belt this year i thought he was absolutely awesome and he kept Fogarty out of that spot for a couple of weeks he he was basically 18th man and just couldn't get a look in because toby had the side um running really well and he, he linked with ash taylor pretty well as well so um yeah, I think he these the games that he had this year will definitely help him. Um, but you know, stepping into that number seven jersey full time is is now a massive question mark. And, and as we mentioned earlier, like that spine, they've got a great forward pack and outside backs, but the spine is a little bit untested, and that's probably where um, the Titans are a little bit shaky for me as well.
1: Yeah, Leish, totally agree. And that's why I think you've got to put AJ Brimson. He's got that little bit more experience. So you've got to bring him into 5'8". Um, but we touched on it and that, that's a big concern of mine. You gave a young kid like Ash Taylor, you know, the keys to the team. It didn't work out for him whether it was too much pressure, whether he was too young, whatever the case may be. Toby Sexton, he's, he's not even 21 yet. And so it's a young spine. So I'll be interested to see how, you know, mental, mentally and, and the toughness that he has to handle that controlling the team from that position.
0: And Tasha, I really want him to be successful because what the Gold Coast Titans need is they need a junior yeah. to come through and star, you know, like obviously, you know, we're all concerned about these younger players coming through. Can they handle it? Can they not? I, I guess, you know, what if he does? You know, what if Toby Sexton comes in? I mean, his contract, he's not getting paid a lot. If he can come in and dominate and really star, that could be the thing that turns around this franchise. So, um, yeah, a lot of pressure on Toby, but if he can deliver, yeah, it, it, it's it's very, very important for the Titans moving into next year.
2: And they can manage that. Like we saw with the Roosters, how they managed Sam Walker, you know, in his maiden season. And um, Reese Walsh probably another one that physically towards the end of that the season this year got a bit, little bit tired and wary, but um, like it's all part of it, isn't it? And Toby Sexton went back to Queensland Cup um this year after Fogarty returned and, and played pretty well. I think he got him to the grand final. Can't remember if they won or not, but um, yeah, like it is. It's I feel like Toby Sexton. Looking at him he, physically, he looks quite built compared to other sort of halves coming through. But AJ Brimson was the same. He came through when he was nineteen. You know, he's had the injuries, he's been through it now. I feel like it's his year now to really sort of lift and, and pick up this side and, and take him into the next sort of era.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess a couple of players, because they are the superstars, uh, We well, let's have a look at their forward pack now. Uh, David Fafita, Tino Farsu Malawi, and Mo'eka, uh Fodaweka, he... Mo is a Mo is a fantastic player in himself, but um, Alicia, let's talk about David Fafita because he does get a lot of the headlines and a, and a lot of the discussion. Talk to me about you know what, what I, I guess your reflection on his season twenty twenty one and what your expectations of him you know moving into next next season.
2: I think naturally because of that price tag unfortunately it, it's just part of our game that we we hammer our players a lot more because of what they're on and, and it's interesting with the debate around should we see players salaries for that reason alone I don't think we should because you could see how much pressure it puts on someone like David Fafita and the topics that come up that week about oh well, how many minutes is David Fafita going to get like if if all pay was just sort of kept quiet and we didn't have all these projected figures thrown out there. Would we get the same sort of line of messaging? I'm not, or questioning, I'm not so sure. So um, look, statistically, he actually beat his previous records at Brisbane. Like he was, you couldn't fault his numbers. So looking at them, you're going, wow, how is this guy copping criticism? But it's a bit like Tamalolo, we just get this really high expectation of a player. Um, and when they are a little bit under par or, you know, statistically don't perform as well as what they usually do. Suddenly there's um, alarm bells. In saying that, I didn't completely agree with bringing him off the bench towards the end of the year, particularly in games that, like, the Titans really needed to win and make an impact. Um, I saw the logic behind it. I know he had a little niggling injury as well. Um, And obviously there's a lot more behind the closed doors that we don't see. But I think, you know, he's your gun star player, no matter how much he earns. I think he should have been on the field for a lot longer than probably what he was. Mm-hmm. And I think moving into next year, they've got to manage that a little bit better. And I guess find just what makes him, you know, tick and get into a game. I think there was one game towards the end of the year where he only had about three carries pretty much in the 60th minute. And we're well, like, why is he hanging out there on the centers or on the wing? Um He scored that try. I can't remember who it was against where he just basically was almost like a winger just running down that sideline. Was it against Newcastle? I can't – yeah, it was against where he just shoved off like eight players and it's like you're hanging out there on the – yeah, you're hanging out there on the wing, but we need you, you know, two more in and on that back row just running at your halves. So, um, yeah, I feel like maybe with a bit more stability in the halves as well, um, they can find – you know, what sort of makes Dave Fafita tick. That's that's what I think. Yeah, look,
0: outside looking in. My thoughts on David Fafita is that he's a Band-Aid solution. Uh, I, I think there's a – and I think we've touched on a little bit. The problem with the Titans is, is their attack. They really struggle with their spine, and they're putting way too much pressure on a second rower to score their points. You know, when David Fafita doesn't score two tries, three tries – barnstorming performances, everyone sort of, you know, sort of says, oh, you know, he didn't have a good game. That is way too much pressure for a second rower and actually shows some of the deficiencies in this team. If they can get their attack going, their spine can sort of dominate and really get control of their offence. I think, you know, suddenly there's a little bit less pressure on David Fafita. In saying all of that, to get his production up and to get the most value out of him, I'd be moving him into the middle. I I totally agree, Alicia. I I think he gets a little bit wasted um, on the edges, depending on how you halve. So... I think this camp, uh, this, off, this preseason is going to be really, really important because if he can build his combination with his new halves, great. But if, if it's looking a little bit suspect and you're going to, you know, not get the best value out of him, I'd be moving him into the middle. But, um, yeah, definitely one to watch there. All right, guys, let's uh, go around the grounds for our predictions. Again, this is a team that scraped into the eight this season. Um, Tash, going to throw it to you.
1: Yeah, I see them uh, finishing the top six. Dan, um, I think they're, they're definitely on the improve. As I said earlier, they could have finished higher this year if they just had have won those really tight all well, five of them games this year. So yeah, I've got them at six.
0: Yeah, look, I've got them at 11. Um, again, I'm very, very harsh when it comes to clubs that don't have their spine uh, together. There's a little bit of inconsistency. There's a few questions that we've touched on. So, um, yeah, again, we've got the forward pack to, to certainly do a lot better than that. But for me, um, I don't think this is a top eight team at the moment. Um, but, yeah, hoping hoping that Jaden Campbell and a few others prove me wrong. Alicia, what about what about yourself?
2: I feel like I haven't put anyone in that bottom, bottom eight and I'm thinking they're going to struggle. I, I actually have them probably like 13th, 14th. Um, yeah, we mentioned the spine and I, I just think they've been up for a couple of years. Like they've had two really good years and the Titans traditionally just have not been able to put, you know, consistent seasons together. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they did struggle a little bit. In saying that, I'd love to see them still, you know, be on that upward trajectory and um, really sort of – click push on, but just with the players that they've lost, I don't think that's going to happen too soon. All
0: right, guys, let's jump through to our next segment for tonight, the match. The most
1: anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and tonight we continue our inter club uh, series, and this week we're looking at the Newcastle Knights with a couple of players in their outside backs, and we've got... Dane Gagai coming up against Bradman Best. Alicia, got to throw it to you as a Knights supporter. Uh, let's start with Dane Gagai. Really exciting to have him back at the club.
2: Yeah, it is pretty exciting. I think it was a little bit unexpected for a few people, but I think that that relationship that he had with the Knights and the way that he left was on pretty good terms, you know, four years ago. Um, he's obviously got really good relationships with like Danny Badiris, who he used to play with, um, and a couple of others at the club still there, like some of those young players that come through were there when Dango Guy came through. Um, I feel like it's a bit unfortunate because we really I thought that we got, we're got, we getting him now at a period where he's he's already sort of peaked. He peaked at South Sydney. We, he, they, that was his best years I've seen him play his footy. So, um yeah, I mean, he comes back on a pretty decent deal, long-term deal, and we know that he's got the passion for the Knights, and I think the Knights have been lacking that that strike centre on the right edge and he'll provide that, you know, they often go to Bradman best, but then they don't have anyone on the other side to sort of counteract that. So yeah, it's pretty decent signing from the Knights. Um, but I just love to see, make sure that Dane gets an early ball.
0: Yeah, Tash, uh, uh, Dane Gagai has all the respect in the world for me as a Knights supporter because he's a, a star player in the game who during the peak of his career, you know, joins the Newcastle Knights when we were an absolute, Basket case I mean And so You know I guess for me It's, it's great to see him Return to the club And um, to To Alicia's point Probably Sort of towards more Of the back end of his career But um, Yeah let, Let's I guess quickly reflect On Dane actually joining The Knights And and, and those difficult years That he had I, it, it got to the point Where when he announced That he had signed To, uh, to go to the Rabbitohs I mean I, I couldn't fault him Because he'd given Everything he had For the Knights And um, you know We just yeah, we, we were quite dysfunctional at the time and just couldn't get things together.
1: Yeah, Dan. Look, when I saw this matchup um, for tonight's show, I instantly thought, you know, how happy uh, both Alicia and yourself as night supporters would be to have him back. You've got him back, uh, you know, on a three-year deal, which is absolutely fabulous. He brings that sort of um, confidence and, and and winning mentality um, with him, and and he's. He's got that, um, I think I read it somewhere, Alicia, you probably wrote it, um, where he takes it as a personal thing, He's uh, his opposing number. And he goes, you are not going to beat me. I am going to beat you. And he rarely loses that contest.
0: Yeah, no, he, he's an absolute professional. And Alicia, this is kind of what the Knights need as well, because, you know, theoretically, if you look at the numbers, you look at the squad itself, we don't need Dane Gagai. You know, we've got plenty of outside backs, but if you reflect on our, our last season, just so much inconsistency. You know, you'd have a player go out there and star one week and then play poorly the next. Our outside backs, the errors, the penalties, the ill discipline, it was really a group that really let us down. So for me, really excited about Gagai. potentially um not too sure what the leadership team looks like, but certainly coming in as an experienced player and starting to bring some consistency into this football team.
2: I was just about to say, um, you know, like if, if they were picking a captain just point blank, I know they've got Safidi and Jaden Braley sharing it, but he's going to be pretty much the most experienced player. He's got the passion for the Knights. He's, you know, been there before. You'd almost give him the captaincy role because we know what he's like in origin period when he's, you know, in that beast mode. And something like the captaincy I think would shine through. You know, centres can be captains too. We look at Jared Kroger. um, you know, there's plenty of guys out there that that sort of lift when they're given that extra responsibility. Um, and I think, you know, the Knights have struggled for a, a veteran captain for a while. So definitely, if not captain, then in the leadership group.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and let's uh, flip it over now and have a look at his competitor tonight. And it is the young superstar, Bradman Best, uh, for the Newcastle Knights. Alicia, Bradman's a really interesting case study. Um, My initial thoughts is, wow, what a talent. Everyone, you can see that a mile away, even watching him in the juniors before he actually made it into first grade. But he became a little bit of a victim of, let's play Bradman best ball. Let's just throw the ball to Bradman, and let's just hope this young kid can kind of figure it out. Uh, Little did the team know that obviously the opposition had been studying film each and every week on Bradman best it just felt like, you know, he was never in space. They were just throwing it to him and hoping that he could uh, create opportunities.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. He was the victim of Newcastle's poor attack. You know, they, they needed a miracle play that either, either throw it to Caelan Ponga or Bradman best and just hope for the best. And like, that's, I guess, an area that Andrew Johns is now on board at the Knights that he's trying to fix their attack. It was absolutely diabolical. It was up there, you know, with Canterbury for the worst this year. And, um, that's not a reflection of Bradman, obviously, but he was, there were periods there where he'd just get the ball under pressure and either lose it or just get tackled because there was nothing doing and clubs have shut that, that side of the field down, where it is now, as we mentioned with Dane, it will sort of free it up. They can attack both sides of the field with two decent centers. So look, I think Bradman on a personal note, he, um, he had a taste of it in 2019 first grade, made his debut. Didn't really get much like footy in him then, but, um, 2020, he was he was really good. He bursts onto the scene. Um, picked up a bit of an ankle injury. He gets targeted a lot around his legs, which is an area that sort of he knows. You know, it's a bit like kick out. They sort of go at the ankles, and he's had a few injuries there. But um, you know, I, I felt like this year he probably suffered a little bit of you know like the second year syndrome that we often hear about. But I, again, I think it was more a reflection of the team's attack more so than like his ability because he is geez, he's built like a brick and he he's going to be around for a long time so yeah he's exciting but i just think they got to give him the ball in a lot better opportunities
0: yeah tasha and Alicia's right those injuries are starting to to mount up and you yeah. can see why because you're throwing the ball to a young kid and we're just playing bash and crash football closer line and he, his body obviously getting battered and bruised so um, yeah it will certainly be great to see and 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 uh, tasha just just one thing on bradman as well He's not the finished product. He's still a a very immature player. I think there's still a lot more development in Bradman. Um, Little things like his passing game, his ability to kind of put his winger in a space at the moment. I just see him as a player who can beat his his centre one-on-one, you know, 90% of the time, you know, big, physical, strong player. But I I guess Bradman best, still a long way to go in terms of his development.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's... um... I was going to say exactly what Alicia said. With He suffered a little bit for a combination of, of reasons of that second-year um, syndrome. He had a great year in 2020. Obviously, the teams went away. They studied his game. He didn't have a, a, a great season this year, but um, he's only young. He's He's um, got a lot to go, but at the moment he's using his big body um, And his size and strength, but you teach him a little bit more footwork. It's not bad, but yeah, he's got a lot that he can still improve on his game and and he's he's shown that he's great already.
0: Yeah, and he's certainly got the right people in and around him. We spoke about Andrew Johns joining the coaching staff, Dane Gagai coming to the club. Um, yeah, he's definitely in, in good hands there as we look to improve. And uh, and I, I'm only hard on Bradman because I do love him. Uh, I know Siawi on, on other platforms has joked that I've got a, a, a full tattoo of Bradman on my body somewhere. So I can either confirm or deny that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, definitely love Bradman. But um, yeah, going to be interesting to see how he goes next year. All right, guys, can't sit on the fence when it comes to the match. We've got to pick a player, two players that are very much at different ends of their career. Tasha, going to start with you.
1: Yeah, look, as much as, um, you know, I hate to pick a Queenslander over a New South Welshman. Um, however, I'm going to go with Gagai. I just think he's been there, done that, and he's done it consistently well. You know, he's a Queensland State of Origin rep. He's an Australian player. Uh, he brings, you know, plenty of that experience and consistency. And, um, yeah, so and, and it's a tight one, but... Um, As you said, they're both at different stages of their career. But, you know, Dane Gagai had 10 tries and 12 try assists. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dane.
0: Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go with Dane uh, right now um, so we can date this podcast. But, uh, look, I think Bradman, he's just got to simplify things. I think one of his goals has got to be to play every game. And if he does, he'll, he'll overtake Dane. Um, obviously with his athleticism and his ability, he'll definitely get there. But right at the moment, I'd have to go with Dane. Uh, Leisha, what about yourself? Um, again, probably as a Knight supporter, two, two favourites. But uh, yeah, thoughts on this one?
2: I'm just glad that there's two decent centres at the club. I can't remember the last time where, you know, the, the Knights had two genuine options to throw the ball at and, um, you know, I guess watch them go. But I think at the end of both careers... I'd like to think that Bradman has passed Dane because that means that he's had a hell of a career because Dane, you know, as we mentioned, he's killed at origin level, um, went close to that premiership this year with South. And, um, you know, when he's on, he's one of the best centers in the game, but um, I'm going to be on the fence. I, I'd like to think Bradman will get there because he's got a massive amount of talent. He's just got to be coached properly and coached, um, you know, the way that, that he will. And, to be honest, there aren't a lot of great centres out there in terms of rep 40, obviously Tom Travojevic and Latrell Mitchell playing in the centres for New South Wales. We know they're fullbacks, like there's genuine options there for, for someone like Bradman to come through and really kick off and really, um, I guess, make his mark. So probably sitting on the fence, as I mentioned, Dane's a logical choice, but I'd like to think Bradman will get there at the end of his career.
0: All right, guys. Let's jump into our final segment for tonight: rapid fire. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. It's your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. are oh,
1: okay, oh, my boss
0: is singing closing time. Maybe that's what to need. Yeah, and this week we're going to continue with our World Cup series. Uh, way too early predictions as we look ahead at another really exciting nation: uh, the Italian Azuri. Tasha, you know, sometimes when we look at uh, International Rugby League, we obviously look at the Kangaroos, we look at New Zealand and, and England, but you know every so often I guess what's exciting about the World Cup is that these nations appear and you look through their roster and there's a fair bit of talent. Um, so I guess talk to us a little bit about Italy and a particular player that you'll have your eye on heading into next year.
1: Yeah, Dan, a particular player that I'm going to have my eye on from, uh, from Italy is uh, Brendan Santi. Now, he, cast your mind back. He actually had 11 NRL appearances for the uh, Mighty West Tigers way back in 2014, 2015. Uh, then he did, uh, you know, a bit of a stint with um, Toulouse in and in, in Europe and whatnot. Um, he's still only 27 years of age and he's earned 11 caps for Italy and he's been in in their last two World Cups. So he brings the experience, and I'm really going to keep an eye
0: out for him. Yeah, look, for me, I think with a lot of these Minnow Nations, I think they really struggle in the halves. You know, that's a particular challenge. And just my little prediction and something I've been keeping an eye on for the past 18 months is imagine imagine a double Johns uh, combination in the halves for Italy, uh, a Jack Johns, a Cooper Johns. Uh, yeah, not, not sure if, if that's where they're going to head. But, uh, look, my play to keep an eye on is Jack Johns, uh, yeah, I'm sentimental uh, Newcastle Knights player um, Obviously more of a back rower He's certainly grown a lot He played a little bit of halves Obviously growing up But um, yeah, I, I think he's a player That could probably move into a 5-8 role And do a job there So um, yeah, it's just great to see Some of these younger players in our game Get an opportunity at the highest level to perform And uh, yeah, you could see him uh, Doing a little bit of damage And, uh, yeah, best, and representing the Knights uh, along the way as well Alisa, um, yeah, Italy they, they have a little bit of a history James Tedesco um, played obviously in recent times um, yeah, good to see a few of these nations compete at this level.
2: I like that John's call. I remember him uh, playing 2017 World Cup for Italy, actually. He broke his arm too, um, unfortunately, but that was the first that I sort of picked up on. Oh, that's that's Matthew Johns' son. Um, but anyway, I've gone with Paul Vaughan, um, who obviously has also played for Italy alongside Tedesco at the, uh, the 2013 World Cup. Um, Paul's story we all know you know this year has been a really tough year for him um he's uh just turned 30 i believe or 31 and it's we i like to see like these guys come back obviously he's he's probably not going to represent australia so why not come back and represent you know your other eligible nation and um for me he's a he's an obvious choice hopefully the italians go after him and, and get him to sign on because he'll bring a wealth of experience for them and Um, I think it'll be a nice way. You know, he's towards the end of his career and um, he's got a little bit of redemption to do next year. So if he has a really good season, there's no way why I think he he wouldn't get picked up by them.
0: All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. Uh, And to our listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then.